Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here. Our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We have a very important show for you today. I will note this, ladies and gentlemen. We did this long-form interview for a full hour with the former senior editor for science at the New York Times, since retired from the New York Times. Also, a prominent writer for Nature Magazine and Science Magazine. I interviewed this man, Nicholas Wade, who spent a year investigating the source of the coronavirus. And I was tipped off to his piece because I don't normally read the Bulletin of Atomic Science. But people were reading it. It was on the Internet. People at Fox were reading it. People on talk radio were reading it. Republicans on Capitol Hill were reading it. And they were using it. But I was tipped off to him by my friend David Berlinski, one of the most brilliant men I've ever talked to. He was on Life, Liberty, and Levin a few years back. He's really a a significant intellectual. And he said, you need to read this article. I read this article. And I said to our Fox production team, let's get Mr. Wade on our Sunday show. And the benefit of the Sunday show is, it is a truly long-form interview show. I know there are those saying, hey, I get to do long-form interview shows. I've been doing this now for five years. The long-form interviews is what I grew up with, or the long-form debate shows. Not a conga line of guests flowing through, each getting three or four minutes. Not 15 topics at a time. We do two at the most, but I prefer to do one. Nicholas Wade was not known to the country before I interviewed him on Sunday, but he's known now. And for the 
For the Democrat Party media, he gave some legitimacy to questions being raised about the source of this virus. That is, the strong possibility it would be a lab, and zero evidence that it was natural, animal to human. And his piece was 11,000 words long, it was 50 pages. And most people on radio and TV don't have the patience to read something like that. But I did, and I had him on Sunday. And you will notice that since that Sunday show, and by the way, I want to give Howard Kurtz and Brett Baer a hat tip. I believe they're the only people on the, in broadcasting that uh, actually cited the interview with Nicholas Wade because it was a very, very important interview. Not because it was my show or I was asking questions, but because of what he was saying. And so, no longer could this be excused as a crackpot or kook theory. I understand others had raised questions, wondered whether it came from the lab, suggested it might, but they didn't have the substantive and technical background to provide it with any support. Nicholas Wade did. And Nicholas Wade looked at the grant that was given by Fauci's operation to this third party in New York, for the purpose of conducting the kind of scientific activity that would lead to the increased lethality of a coronavirus from the Wuhan lab in Wuhan, China. So he had a lot of dots, a lot of dots were connected. We now have a lot of people talking about this because they're now inhaling the fumes and feeling the dust. That's why I try to use this Sunday show to do very important things. And since that Sunday show, you will notice, this issue has spread through the body politic. It has spread even through the liberal media, that is the Marxist media, as if a a match had just been lit. I don't care who the first one to bring it up was or the fifth one to bring it up was. This isn't about positioning and creating narratives and patting hosts on the back of the head. It was this man, what he wrote, and obviously giving it the attention it deserved, taking it from the Bulletin of Atomic Science and putting it on Fox, on the biggest show on Sunday night, Sometimes the biggest show on Sunday, and spreading the word. And I knew it was important, and that's why I encouraged you to watch it. And so now there's enormous talk about the origins of the coronavirus, not just in conservative media, not just speculation, not just a little piece of information here or there, but very, very serious substantive information raising important questions. We know that the Biden State Department now blocked, blocked a further investigation into the source of the coronavirus when Biden came into office. We know that his spokesman, Pasaki, kept dismissing questions about investigating it. Well, go ask China. Well, go ask China. That's like asking the wall. And so today, Wednesday, Three short days after that Sunday interview. And the fact you, that is we the people, want some answers. The media in the press room today 
Even the Democrat Party pro-Biden media were peppering the substitute spokes idiot with lots of questions. The media that had dismissed this as a conspiracy theory for reasons we discussed the other day, and Mr. Wade discussed with me on Sunday, is now trying to cover its tracks. And so is Joe Biden. Because Joe Biden today ordered a 90-day investigation by his intelligence agencies to try and come up with an answer. I know the answer, and so do you. This was a cover-up by people who were involved in the grant process. It was a cover-up by the media because they tried to use whatever they could to destroy Donald Trump and blame him for the virus. It was a cover-up by Fauci. Now, what do I mean by that? First, Fauci was unaware of any funding. As you may hear later, if I have time, his boss, the director of the National Institutes of Health, said yes, they issued a grant, and yes, some of that money went to that lab, and yes, some of that money could have been used to create, I repeat, create a more lethal virus from the coronaviruses that they had collected. We'll continue to press. We'll continue to press. I'm only on Fox once a week because that's all I want to be on. I'm behind radio, my microphone, five days a week. We will keep pressing. The backbenchers are listening. And by the way, people ask, who's the backbencher? You can tell who the backbenchers are. When we talk about critical race theory, now critical race theory is out there. When I do that Sunday interview, now everybody wants an answer. Now when we come back, I have an important pattern of events that I want to discuss with you. And of course, I'll tell you in our third hour we have two terrific guests. We have uh, Senator Mike Lee who was, uh, did a hell of a job today on the Hill, and Curtis Sliwa. I think the whole country knows who Curtis Sliwa is. He's actually running for the Republican nomination for mayor in New York. And I like Curtis a lot. I think he'd be a great mayor. He had a real hate on for Trump. I think that might hurt him, but we'll see. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Many of you have been listening to this program to me for almost 20 years. Many of you know of me 
way back when, when I was the legal director of the legal division of Rush Limbaugh's show, F. Lee Levin. But we have people who come and go, and so maybe they don't know a whole lot about me, and I want to point this out for a reason. I didn't come to broadcasting as a professional broadcaster. I came to broadcasting as an activist, as a constitutional lawyer. I came to broadcasting very, very reluctantly. But then it turns out I was pretty good at it. There's a few things, those of you who are new to this broadcast, I want you to know, and I want you to know this, again, there's a reason. Those of you who've been here a while, just bear with me. There are few, if any, radio hosts or television hosts who've been actively involved in seminal movements in this country. As a young man, I was involved in the Reagan Revolution in 1976, to try and defeat Gerald Ford in the Republican primary and in 1980 when we succeeded. When I was 19 years old in law school, I ran for my local school board because taxes were through the roof, property taxes, the teachers union had taken over. I was in law school. The Republican Party supported me somewhat reluctantly as a conservative It was a bedroom community outside of Philadelphia. Jewish, German, Irish, Italian, I'd say only about 6-7% minority. It's irrelevant. But I had to form an organization on my own to make sure I could turn out the vote, called the Committee for Tax Limitation. And we went after the teachers' union, and we went after the administration. And we went after the courses that they were offering. Not critical race theory, but some rotten courses. And we built a movement. And I won that election by a landslide. Now, again, I'm not saying this, look at me. I'm making a point. Just stick with me. When I finally settled down and decided what I wanted to do as a career... I became involved in Landmark Legal Foundation, eventually president of Landmark Legal Foundation. I didn't go off and make half a million dollars at a law firm or anything. I used and wanted to work with this foundation to make a difference. And we brought significant cases against the Environmental Protection Agency, which was held in contempt, against the Internal Revenue Service, We filed tax complaints against the National Education Association. We filed complaint after complaint against the Clinton administration. One complaint we filed with a federal judge in Arkansas, Susan Wright, resulted in Bill Clinton being held in civil contempt. I also represented Attorney General Ed Meese in the Iran-Contra matter, as well as other matters involving other individuals. This is in my blood. This is who I am. Now, I can't 
do a whole Mark. This is Mark's life story, because who cares? But John Boehner despises me and picks me out from the others for a reason. I was part of the Tea Party revolution. Not a witness, not a broadcaster, but part of it. When Liberty and Tyranny came out. I got behind that movement. I spoke at rallies for that movement. I helped create the Convention of States movement with the Liberty Amendments. It's a fantastic movement. I want us to keep pushing it. I believe 15 states or so have joined with very little money and so forth. From liberty and tyranny in the Tea Party movement to the Liberty Amendments and the Convention of States movement to the Reagan Revolution to the Tea Party movement I've been an activist. Now why does this matter? It matters, ladies and gentlemen, because we're in a point in our country now where we need to organize. You're getting people coming on TV and radio who are throwing ideas at you. I guess they're good. Some of them may be great. But they're not activists. They're commentators. Most of them haven't participated in any of these counter-revolutions to the rising Marxist movement in this country. John Boehner, quite frankly, I worked with Mark Meadows to topple John Boehner. And he was toppled because he was no damn good. Because he went to war against the Tea Party. The establishment Republicans hate me because they know that you Levinites are the true warriors. Those of you in this audience are the great patriots. Now why does any of this matter? It matters because I'm going to explain it to you after the bottom of the hour. So please stick with me. A little forbearance, please. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. If you're going to stick with this program, please stick with it this hour. 
because it takes me time to develop this a little bit. I'm not a ping pong ball jumping from issue to issue. Twelve years ago, Liberty and Tyranny, many of you purchased that book, but whether you did or not is of no consequence. I'm just pointing it out. It was 12 years ago. And actually, the title was Liberty and Tyranny, a Conservative Manifesto. Now, I wrote this book having no idea about the Tea Party, because there was no Tea Party when I started this book. Because the rhinos, McCain and others, were trying to redefine conservatism, and I'd had enough of it. Bill Crystal was trying to redefine conservatism, and I'd had enough of it. And I always wanted to write a book about conservatism. So liberty and tyranny, the tyranny being the statists. I said, I'm not going to call them progressives, I'm going to call them statists. If the word was good enough for Aristotle, it was good enough for me. My editor at the time said, what's a statist? The word statist and statism popularized by this book was not used back then. I thought it should be reintroduced into the body politic because that's what we're dealing with. So the last chapter of the book is the conservative manifesto. And I go through a number of areas, which I won't do with you. Taxation, environment, judges, the administrative state, government education, immigration, entitlements, foreign policy and security, faith and religion, and the Constitution. And the Constitution. And even back then, I'm warning about the changes we're seeing in this country, and many of you saw them too. Many of you saw them too. In part, here's what I said. I'm not going to get into each one of the issues because it's not necessary. Republicans seem clueless on how to slow, contain, and reverse the status agenda. They seem to fear returning to first principles lest they be rejected by the electorate, so prefer to tinker ineffectively and timidly on the edges. As such, they are not abandoning are they not abandoning what they claim to support? If the bulk of the people reject the civil society for the statist utopia, preferring subjugation to citizenship, then the end is near anyway. But even in winning an election, governing without advancing first principles is a hollow victory indeed. Its imprudence is self-evident. This is not the way of the conservative, it is the way of the neo-statists, and that is what I've been calling rhinos. Neo-statists, because in effect they defend that which the left has created. Subservient to a so-called reality created by the statist rather than the reality of unalienable rights created, uh, granted by the creator. So what can be done? I asked back then. I don't pretend to have all the answers. And the act of writing a book places practical limits on what can be said at a given time. But I do have some thoughts. The conservative must become more engaged in public matters. It is his nature to live and let live, to attend to his family, to volunteer time with his church and synagogue, and to quietly assist a friend, neighbor, or even a stranger. These are certainly admirable qualities that contribute to the overall health of the community. But it is no longer enough. The statist counter-revolution has turned the instrumentalities of public affairs and public governance against the civil society. Twelve years ago. They can no longer be left to the devices of the statist, which is largely the case today. This will require a new generation of conservative activists, larger in number, shrewder, more articulate than before, who seek to blunt the status counter-revolution, not imitate it, and gradually and steadily reverse course. More conservatives than before will need to seek elective and appointed office. 
fill the ranks of the administrative state, hold teaching positions in public schools and universities, and find positions in Hollywood and the media where they can make a difference in infinite ways. The status doesn't have a birthright ownership to these institutions. The conservative must fight for them, mold them, and where appropriate, eliminate them, where they are destructive to the preservation and improvement of the civil society. Parents and grandparents must take it upon themselves to teach their children and grandchildren to believe in and appreciate the principles of the American civil society and stress the import of preserving and improving the society. They will need to teach their offspring that the status threatens their generation's liberty and prosperity and to resist ideologically alluring trends and fads. Parents and grandparents by the millions can counteract the status indoctrination of their children and grandchildren in government schools and by other status institutions simply by conferring their knowledge, beliefs, and ideals on them over the dinner table, in the car, or at bedtime. And if undertaken on an intimate, purposeful, and consistent basis, it will shape a generation of new conservatives. And education should not stop at the front door. We the people are a vast army of educators and communicators. When the occasion arises in conversations with neighbors, friends, co-workers, and others, take the time to explain our principles and their value to the individual, family, and society generally. We should acquire knowledge outside the status universe. The conservatives should not ignore the media, Hollywood, government schools, and universities, but they should not be the primary sources of information that shape the conservatives' worldview. Technology has made access to an unprecedented wealth of resources that contribute to the conservatives' understanding, and I list a number of papers and websites and so forth. The status has also become masterful at controlling the public vocabulary. For example, when challenged on global warming, back then climate change wasn't in, he accuses the skeptic of being a denier, favoring corporate polluters, or being against saving the planet. Draconian measures that threaten liberty and prosperity, such as cap and trade, are marketed in appealing and benign slogans such as going green. And of course, the status never destroy, he reforms. He never disenfranchises, he empowers. The conservative must take heart from and learn the lessons of his nation's history, and I go on. And I will stop here, but I broke this into ten parts. As I said earlier, the conservative manifest on things we much do, must do under each one of those subject areas. But today it's not enough. It's not enough. I think it was the third book I wrote, The Liberty Amendments. Maybe it was the fourth. And I'm not going to read from it. But I looked at the Convention of States that's provided for in Article 5, which I had opposed all my life, and I read it, studied it, and I said, why am I opposing this? After all, the framers put it in here for a reason. And they tell us why they put it in here. They voted on it. On the floor of the Pennsylvania Assembly Building in Philadelphia. The first chapter was restoring the American Republic. The second chapter was an amendment to establish term limits for members of Congress. The third chapter, an amendment to restore the Senate, that is, where the state legislatures select senators. 
The fourth chapter, an amendment to establish term limits for Supreme Court justices and supermajority legislative override. Now, this commission that Biden's put together may support term limits for Supreme Court justices, but they're not going to support what I support. That's something that should be installed 20 years hence, so you can advance that cause today for 20 years from now. Not today for today, where the Democrats will use it to pack the court. And I also made the case that with a three-fifths supermajority, Congress or three-fifths or, or, uh, three of the state legislatures could overturn a Supreme Court decision. Not rewrite it, not change it, but overturn it. We are a representative republic. We cannot put up with judicial tyranny either. Chapter 5 was two amendments to limit federal spending and taxing. Unfortunately, if they had been in place, we wouldn't be seeing what we see today. Chapter 6, an amendment to limit the federal bureaucracy's power. Chapter 7, an amendment to promote commerce, true commerce. I call it promote free enterprise. Chapter 8, an amendment to protect private property. Chapter 9, an amendment to grant the state's authority to directly amend the Constitution. Same supermajority number, but without Congress's participation. Chapter 10, an amendment to grant the states uh, the authority to check Congress. That is, to even overwrite certain congressional legislation with a supermajority. And then finally, and presciently actually, an amendment to protect the vote. An entire chapter on what we need to do to ensure the integrity of our voting system. That was proposal number 11 amendment. Pretty good, right? But it's not enough. It's not enough anymore. Those are my proposals. But we only have 15 states out of 34 that have signed on to the Convention of States. We should continue to do this. But we need to address the urgency of the moment. And so you can see in these books, I not only write from a scholarly or kind of intellectual perspective, but I want to put it in plain English and I have ideas. You're hearing more and more the word Marxist and the word Marxism on Fox and on talk radio. Not democratic socialism, not progressivism, not liberalism. It is my intent to take our language back. It is my intent to take our country back. Not based on race, based on liberty. I know exactly what I'm doing behind this microphone. I'm not perfect, I make mistakes. I'm trying to drive the discussion. As I told you, I'm an activist. I'm trying to drive the substance. And this is why you see things happening. This is why you hear what I say behind this microphone. Again, it's not, Mark, aren't you the greatest? That has nothing to do with this. I've spent a year writing this book, American Marxism. And I stopped multiple times. I stopped when my little buddy Barney passed away. I stopped. Another matter came up. I stopped to watch this election. But I've been working on it ever since, especially the last six months. 
And I've done everything I can in this book, which to me is the catalyst for pushing the agenda, the catalyst for building the movement, everything I can think of. It's the longest book I've ever written, as I told you, but it's not long enough. And in the final chapter, after discussing who it is that seeks to destroy your liberty, your security, your property rights, who it is that seeks to destroy the minds of your children, our economic system, who it is that is defaming you and character assassinating you as if they're segregationists and racists, because they are, laying it out like it hasn't been laid out anywhere before. Not like this. And there have been some great writers, so that's just not a put-down. And then it culminates into the final chapter, as it does with the final chapter of Liberty and Tyranny, with suggestions. The suggestions aren't meant to be all the suggestions, or the final suggestions, but they're meant to be serious, possible actions that we can take as an army of patriots. This book really will be volume one. I'm sure I'm going to need to write a volume two. I'm telling you all this because I want you to have a little bit of hope. I want you to know I'm not behind this microphone as a gas bag or full of hot air that I live what I say. I don't just say it, move on to the next job or to the next issue or whatever. I believe this with my heart and soul. I have children too. I have grandchildren too. I see what's happening too. What these politicians, what these Marxists, the various walks of life are doing to our country is a sin. It's immoral. They're using freedom. They're using the civil society. They're using the Bill of Rights to destroy them all. I see it. You see it. I know it. And I got sick and tired of watching it. Talking about it is important. As you know, ideas have consequences. I'll be right back. Mark Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. 
We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. We're going to get on to some other things the rest of the show here. Um, I just want to give you some hope. That's all. There are things that are going on in the country sporadically. A couple of school boards, some parents groups. These are wonderful signs. But we can't expect to defeat a well-organized, heavily funded, ideological movement sporadically sporadically so we want to have ideas we want to have approaches that will confront these movements now I'll be perfectly honest with you I don't see us making a lot of progress in Democrat strongholds in places like Minneapolis or Los Angeles or Atlanta and so forth and it's a damn shame It's a damn shame. Maybe if we ever control the federal government, we can do something more about it, and we should. I think people who say we're to go into these areas and campaign, maybe we'll turn the vote. I think that's very unlikely. Donald Trump did as much as anybody can do, far more than Barack Obama did for many of these communities. But when you don't control the local politics, when you don't control the media... When education becomes propaganda, it becomes very difficult, doesn't it? It becomes very difficult. Now, I'm not talking about who lives in these communities. I'm talking about the power of the party. The party. The Democrat Party controls these communities. There are some where maybe we have a fighting chance, but not yet. But outside the, many of the inner cities, these battles are taking place. Because the indoctrination is taking place in all the classrooms. The attack on capitalism through so-called climate change is taking place in all these places. The effects of open borders is taking place in all these places. Ideological drives on transgenderism or what have you trying to impose it on society, that's taking place in all these places. That is the entire country. So it's not something we can ignore. It's not something we should ignore. But what concerns me is we're going to see more bifurcation, more division. Because as an example, the Chicago schools with that mayor and that, the political leaders there, they'll continue to push critical race theory even if it's defeated in a place like Kansas. There's nothing we can do about that right now. we got to get our legs, we have to learn to walk, and then we need to sprint. We've got a lot more issues, I'm going to hammer them when we come back. I'll be right back. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, 
deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Let's get going. Hat tip Gravian, major media mock President Trump, Senator Cotton, for saying that they believed it was possible that the virus leaked from the Wuhan lab in 2020. Take a listen. Cut 20. Go. The best evidence suggests that the kind of bat from which this virus jumped to humans wasn't even present there. But you know the worst of all, whether it came from the lab or came from the bats, or came, it all came from China. Because we don't know where the novel coronavirus came from yet, the conspiracy theories fill the void. I'm telling you, the Chai Coms are trying to weaponize this thing. Here's Conservative talk show host Rush Limbaugh with zero proof suggesting a Chinese bioweapon lab is to blame. There's this question about the Wuhan lab. We know that it's been debunked. Those same agencies now have been tapped with investigating one of Trump world's most favorite conspiracy theories. This week, Donald Trump is still pushing the debunked bunkum, despite his own intelligence community's findings that that is simply not true. And there is simply no reason to believe that that is the case. There is no empirical evidence to verify that. Coming up with a conspiracy theory to try and foment xenophobia um, with respect to um, the Chinese has just as much factual support as taking Clorox. He can't just sit back and let the doctors and the scientists do their jobs. He's got to chime in. He may pick up the conspiracy theory that this was some weapon. People don't keep bats in captivity. Complete baloney. We don't need to invoke conspiracy theories. This is just another example of, of the president trying to change the narrative from his own failings. The problem for President Trump is that he's running for re-election, is looking for ways to deflect blame for uh, the performance of the administration. If you look at the evolution of the virus in bats and what's out there now, it's very, very strongly leaning towards this could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated. So I wanted to ask, are you still confident that it developed naturally? No, actually, I, that's the point that I said. No, I'm not convinced uh, about that. I think that we should continue to investigate what went on in China. He is uh, becoming a joke. Actually, he is more than becoming a joke. Uh, he is preposterous. Anthony Fauci. And he did testify, and Rand Paul did question him, I guess it was last, last week or so, about whether any money was funneled through that lab from Fauci's own operation, and he said no. The problem with that is the guest I had on Sunday wrote that piece and went and looked at the grants. And he said, yes, it's right there. Now, during a hearing on the National Institutes of Health budget request yesterday, Representative Andy Harris, Republican Maryland, the only Republican from Maryland, although they're trying to constantly redistrict him out of existence, is a very solid thinker, principled man. He raised some questions with Francis Collins, who is Anthony Fauci's boss. Cut one, go. And uh, I just would like, uh, Dr. Collins, maybe just a couple of uh, clarifications. I, I understand we did not directly fund the Wuhan Institute of Virology, but my understanding is we did 
uh, send about $3.7 million in grants to EcoHealth Alliance, of which $600,000 went to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to various studies there. Is that true? Uh, that is correct. I'm going to ask Dr. Okay. Fauci also. So, no, I, I, I only have five minutes. I, I just need, that's true. Okay, so because I read it, that's true. Do we know whether the Wuhan Institute of Virology does gain-of-function research? Gain-of-function research, again, is the research that takes, a, in this case, a coronavirus, of which there are many, and makes it more lethal and more lethal to humans. Because the theory is we want to create it here in the lab, make it more lethal to humans, and then figure out how to destroy it or treat it. It's a very controversial area of science. And there was a moratorium in place when the funding went from Fauci's operation to EcoHealth Alliance, this third party, which then sent uh, significant dollars to this Wuhan Institute for this very purpose. Go. By NIH uh, for doing gain-of-function research. We do not, and that's the official government identification of that term, by the way. We are, of course, not aware of other sources of funds or other activities they might have undertaken outside of what our approved grant allowed. Okay, so we could have sent money. Uh, now, for- if anybody read uh, what uh, Nicholas Wade had to say, uh, the grant itself does say that that is the kind of research in part that would take place, gain-of-function research. It's in the grant. Go ahead. Alliance money could have ended up in the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which, which might be doing gain-of-function research. And, in fact, since they sent a you know, a, a general of the Communist uh, Party uh, Army uh, to take over the lab in February 2020. It's not uh, out, of, out of the realm of possibility they're doing See, what that. Mr. Collins should have told to Representative Harris is, yes, that is what they do. She's the bat lady for a reason. And they take these coronaviruses, they collect them. She has scores, scores of samples of, of this virus, different viruses, under the coronavirus nomenclature. That's what they do in that lab, among other things. Go ahead. Uh, because I do know that, that money is somewhat fungible uh, once you send money to institutes, that uh, it bothers me a little bit that we would send money to an institute that might be doing gain-of-function research, especially China. Uh, do we send any money to any sub-agencies or sub-grantees that could be sending money to Russia? Um, I don't know the specific answer to that. I think we have in the past, and I don't know whether we currently do or not. Let me ask you folks something. If you're head of the National Institutes of Health, that's the big umbrella group, or you're head of the National Institute for Infectious Diseases, that is the Fauci group, wouldn't you know all this by now? Wouldn't you say staff come in here i want some answers are we still doing this where are we doing how much apparently we're doing a lot of it but a moratorium was in place a moratorium was in place and as mr wade said on my show they used a loophole of some sort which fauci and or collins would have had to sign off on and unfortunately that question was not asked of either of them let's continue now anthony fauci at the hearing uh today on the Senate side, and here's Senator John Kennedy questioning Fauci. Cut to go. Dr. Fauci, I believe you have testified that uh, that uh, you didn't give any money to the Wuhan lab 
to conduct gain-of-function research. Is that right? That is correct. Now, that is dishonest because technically they gave a grant to that third party that I mentioned called EcoHealth Alliance in New York. So that was your tax dollars that went to that lab in China. Go ahead. How do you know they didn't lie to you? Excuse me, sir? How do you know they didn't lie to you and use the money for gain-of-function research anyway? Well, we've seen the results of the experiments that were done and that were published and that the viruses that they um, uh, studied are on public databases This now. is so thoroughly dishonest. Much of what this lab does is the gain-of-function research with the coronaviruses. This is so thoroughly dishonest. We've seen the public experiments. You don't have access to the data. That's what you said the other day. That's what the Biden administration's position is. We don't have the data. We want the data. We want to look at the data. That was the Trump administration's position. Go ahead. So none of that was gain of function. So How do you know they didn't do the research and uh, not put it on their website? There's no way of guaranteeing that. But in our experience with grantees, including Chinese grantees, which we've had interactions with for a very long time. But you see, this is the tap dance he's done. We didn't fund it. No, he funded a third party. Okay, how do you know they, they, they didn't do this? Well, our experience with them, wait a minute. He gave money to a third party that in turn gave money to this lab. How are you now saying our experience with the lab is X? When it's the third party that had experienced with the lab. Go ahead. They're very competent, trustworthy scientists. I'm not talking about anything else in China. I'm talking about the scientists. That you would expect that they would abide by the conditions of the grant. No, we wouldn't. They're under the iron fist of the Communist Party, you fool. Why do you think they won't let anyone in that lab? Why do you think they kept all the data? Probably destroyed it. Why do you think they wouldn't let our officials from our government in to China to get to that lab? And by the way, you know who Biden's blaming for that today? Donald Trump. Who wanted to get to the bottom of it, who tried to get to the bottom of it, who cut off travel from that country. Biden is a lowlife. He always has been a lowlife. He will always be a lowlife. Go ahead. They've done for the years that we've had interactions. So you don't think the Chinese would lie to you? Well, when you say the Chinese, the Chinese are a rather broad group. I know the scientists that we've dealt with. All right, let me try this, Dr. Fauci. You think the scientists are free to do and say what they want to say? Several of them have disappeared, Dr. Fauci. Do you know why they disappeared? Do you know where they went? Do you think the communist Chinese know where they went? Are you a buffoon? You're supposed to be a scientist? Go ahead. Worthy? Mm-hmm. You think all the scientists... Uh, have told the truth in terms of the origin of the Wuhan virus and not been influenced by the Communist Party of China, do you? I don't have enough insight into the Communist Party. Yes, you do. You have a lot of insight into it. We all do. Unless you're completely ignorant of the news. You go to enough newsrooms to put out your daily incoherence. So that's just ridiculous. We'll be right back. Mark Levin.
Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. I think uh, some of the. Uh, some of the so-called science experts have cost us lives in this country. I regret having to say that. Some of the politicians have cost us a lot of lives in this country. They took a pandemic and they made it worse. And the more I hear Fauci, the more I realize he had no idea what was going on. And he's taken 10 positions on the same subject. Here's Fauci and Francis Collins, head of the NIH. Senator Kenny continues with his questions. Cut four, go. Why did you guys spike, not guys and ladies, why did y'all spike the prior administration's uh, investigation into the origins of the coronavirus and whether it could have uh, come out of the Wuhan lab? Sir, I, I, we did not spike anything in the prior administration. I'm not sure what you mean by spike, but we have no influence. The State Department spiked the, the, the prior administration's right. uh, study. But that has nothing to do with the National Institutes of so Health. So they didn't consult with y'all? They did not. Did they consult with you, Dr. Collins? I read about it in the press this morning. Doc? No. They just spiked it without talking to their experts? You don't want to answer that one, do you? I just read about it. Thank you, Madam Chair. So this guy, Binken, comes into the Secretary of State's position. He is a complete wrecking ball. Everything he touches turns into crap. And so that State Department spiked the investigation that the Trump State Department had launched under Secretary Pompeo. Now, why in the hell would they do that? You understand, folks, the media covered this up? These so-called experts covered this up? Now, people will fall back and say, well, they weren't short. No, no, no. When you're spiking an investigation, you're covering it up. And is it amazing how little Drs. Collins and Fauci actually know about their own grant? Even to this date... Even if they initially didn't know a damn thing, wouldn't you know by now everything you had to know about this grant? Wouldn't you want to go back and know who the underlings were who signed off on the grant and who it was, whether it was Fauci or Collins? 
who signed the exception to the moratorium, there was an exception to the moratorium that Collins or Fauci had to sign. According to Nicholas Wade, who I interviewed on Sunday. But listen to Fauci again. Cut five, go. Why did you dismiss the lab leak theory as... That's Marco Rubio. Incredible. I have always said that the high likelihood is that this is a natural occurrence. Based on what? Based on what? Communist Chinese propaganda. Nicholas Wade, again the writer, he looked into this. He said there's not a scintilla of evidence. Nothing whatsoever. Zero. There's nothing that underscores or undergirds the position that this was a natural occurrence. There's nothing, literally nothing. And yet Fauci continues that he feels that this high likelihood, that's what caused it. Based on what? Based on nothing. Go ahead dismiss anything i just said it's a high likelihood that this is a natural occurrence from the environment of an animal reservoir that we have not yet identified they have not yet identified the animal animal reservoir ladies and gentlemen they've yet identified anything nothing people throw around the names of animals well it came from bats again they have no idea if that's the case none The communist Chinese put out that propaganda. The man who received the grant from Fauci's operation, who runs that organization in New York, he put out a letter that he had other scientists sign with him that was in the Lancet Scientific Journal. Not only didn't he reveal his conflict of interest, at the end of the article he says there is no conflict of interest. He never revealed that they received the grant and in turn gave money to the Wuhan lab, he pushed this conspiracy, that is, that anybody who brings up the lab is to be discredited. That's all we have. We have no evidence. None whatsoever. I'll be right back. When the going gets tough... A tough get. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Maggie Hagerman. She's a fraud, and she writes for a fraudulent newspaper that tried to cover up the Holocaust. Now, if you have any self-respect whatsoever, Maggie Hagerman, why do you work for that newspaper? Seriously. If you're a real journalist, shouldn't you try to get away from a newspaper like that? Now, there's been a lot written about the New York Times, so this isn't just Mark speaking. You're writing for a corporate media outlet that tried to cover up the Holocaust. Now, how do you justify that? They're trying to throw this Republican out of the House because she, she posted a, a, sort of a, a, a dumb tweet. I don't believe she called our cops, uh, what did the stormtroopers? Like Nancy Pelosi did. Nobody said that she should resign or be thrown out of Congress. Of course, she should. Or how many times was Donald Trump called Hitler? I don't remember people getting all worked up about that. 
or the Stooges, the Marxist anti-Semites in the Democrat Party, a growing part of the Democrat Party. Nobody's telling them to resign. Nonetheless, we have Maggie Haberman, and she's got an idea. Because the New York Times and the Washington Post and the rest of the media lied to us and covered up and was not even curious about where this, this virus might come from. They were listening to Fauci, who I must say has become buffoonish. I think that's a good description of him, buffoonish Fauci. She had this to say in response to John Berman. Now, John Berman, as you recall, is one of the stupidest people on cable. And I include any of the four billion cable channels and in the middle of the night when they're trying to hawk makeup. Cut uh, six, go. This matters. Understanding where coronavirus and how the pandemic began matters. Wow, it matters all of a sudden to the nitwit. That's great. This matters to the constipated news network. Now they want to know, where did it come from? What kind of a news organization is this? It's not. He goes on. Go ahead. But the lab leak, I think, was clouded early on because there was the suggestion by some that it was somehow a Chinese weapon that, that caused this. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a lab accident. And the only reason we're talking about the lab has nothing to do with CNN and the cover-up operation. And we're not even talking about a lab accident. We're talking about people who got the illness in the lab left the lab, potentially. We have a Wall Street Journal report over the weekend. And they have gotten other people infected. Go ahead. From people dismissing this as a conspiracy theory to a lot of people taking this seriously, Maggie. We have, John. And look, I do think it's important to remember that part of the issue when this was first being reported on and discussed back a few months after the pandemic had begun was that then-President Trump and Mike Pompeo, uh, the uh, Secretary of State, both suggested they had seen evidence that this was formed in a lab, and they also suggested it was not released on purpose, but they refused to release the evidence showing what it was. And so because of that, that made this instantly... All right, stop. You know... uh Mr. Wade said something similar to me on Sunday's show. I couldn't get too brutal with him because I didn't want to lose him. I wanted him to stay. But I said to him, well, maybe the president said that because he wanted to go with the Chinese. But here's the thing. Maggie, may I call you Maggie or is it Mag? What do we call you, Mag? Maggie, uh, are you an independent journalist? Does your newspaper actually do investigative journalism? Even putting aside your contempt and hatred for the former president, your seething obsession with the former president, what explains your failure, the failure of your editors, the failure of your newspaper, to find out what the source of the virus was and is? You see, by your response, you're demonstrating to us that you're nothing but Bernie Sanders in a dress. Pretty much. You're an ideologue. You're a hack. And so you regurgitate this answer. They didn't provide us with the evidence, so we just went, okay. Well, then go out and get it. Stop spending so much time in CNN studios and go out and get it. Aren't you an investigative reporter? 
Now, here's the truth. Maggie Haberman doesn't know a Petri dish from an oak tree. She's not a science writer. She's a political writer. In other words, she's a political hack. So why are they even asking her? The people they should be asking are the science writers for the New York Times, the science writers for the Washington Post, the science reporters for the major networks. Did you read the letter that was put out? By Mr. Datch and his organization that received the grant and by getting the grant gave some of the money to the lab? Did you read the letter? Did you question any of the scientists? Can you provide us with any evidence whatsoever about this natural cause? Can you? No, you can't. Do you have any curiosity whatsoever about who signed off on this grant? Under Fauci, did you know there was a moratorium and only Fauci had the power to sign an exception? This is what happens when New York Times hacks don't watch Fox News and my Sunday show. Where they can learn a hell of a lot. So it's Trump and Pompeo. That's why the press decided not to look. Trump and Pompeo. They want the tax returns. They want to know who Pompeo invited for dinner. They want to, but when it comes to the greatest pandemic, certainly in a century, but possibly in American history, then they have no curiosity whatsoever. And you want to know why? You want to know why? Because they wanted to blame it all on Trump, and they're still doing that. Sick. Absolutely sick. Go on. I think that there was, you know, example 1000 when the Trump administration learned... Now shut up, you idiot. And you really are an idiot. May I say that? I'm not even going to say it with due respect. Absolutely moronic. You're a propagandist. And Trump and Trump and, and, and Trump. And then when Trump did this... What did you do, Maggie? What did your newspaper do to get to the bottom of this, Maggie? Remember Anonymous when you were pushing that crap, Maggie? Remember the Russia collusion story and the Pulitzers that were handed out? Maggie? Do you remember all that stuff? Maggie? And what kind of name is Maggie? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Almost 600,000 people, according to official statistics, have died in this country from the coronavirus. And Maggie Haberman of the New York Times had no interest in finding out the actual cause of it. 
And the best she can do is go on CNN and attack the former president. This is a low life. She'd make a good replacement for Joe Scarborough, who's a low life. And I would say this to Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski. Why haven't you surrendered your jobs to African Americans? Do you not even understand what critical race theory is, you morons? You pathetic, illiterate morons? Why haven't you announced on your program that you're giving up your jobs and your positions? Because you don't understand that you are white supremacists because you're white. All these buffoonish white Democrats, media personalities, they don't have a clue what the hell they're talking about or what the hell they're doing. But this Maggie Haberman works for this media corporation that 75, 80 years ago chose to help cover up the slaughter of the European Jews. It's owned, it was owned by a Jewish family. She's proud of her working with the New York Times. She's at the pinnacle of journalism. And the best she can do is throw up that trope about Donald Trump. Like the media is sitting there and they can't, they can't get out of their chairs to find out what happened because of Donald Trump. No wonder Trump hates your guts. No wonder the American people detest you. I am tired of the lies from the media. I am tired of the incompetence from the media. I am tired of them destroying this country with their propaganda. They don't even know what their role is. Their role is to provide us with information so we can improve our lives and make decisions. They think this is some kind of a joke. They're an appendage of the Democrat Party. They give voice and support to these various Marxist spawned movements? How come there's not a thorough investigative documentary-like report by the New York Times or CNN or MSNBC or the Washington Post on Black Lives Matter? Well, there's a very, very thorough discussion of that in American Marxism. Or Antifa. Where does Antifa get its funding? Who are these people? They don't tell us. Why don't they tell us? Because they agree with them. Because they agree with them. Climate change? Really? Chuck Todd, the great climate change expert, tell me, Chuck, how warm is the earth going to get in the next hundred years? I have a better question. How warm will Washington, D.C. be next week? Can you tell me, Chuck? They rely on the experts. The experts. Dr. Fauci, expert. If you listen to Dr. Fauci, you don't know whether to wear a mask or not wear a mask. This is a man who said you should wear goggles. This is a man who said you should stay home. This is a man who believed in closing our school systems, even though children were relatively, not relatively, overwhelmingly immune from this virus. That's the scientist, the mad scientist. Doesn't matter. Chuck believes in that kind of authoritarianism, you know. But Donald Trump, something was wrong with Donald Trump. The fact that he pushed through three vaccines. And as he's told me and he said publicly, 
Fauci and the folks at the FDA were very difficult to work with. They would still be investigating vaccines if it wasn't for Operation Warp Speed. That's right, I said it. Then you have Biden. Biden, they have to have uh, padded walls in the White House because he keeps walking into them. Uh, I, 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 wanna, uh, I want to, uh, you know, the thing, uh, you know, uh, congratulate me for all the vaccines that we've developed and we're getting out there, you know, thank me. But, oh, and I hate Trump. Did I mention Trump? Oh, yeah, I hate Trump. It's really just... Sarah Haynes is a host on The View. What is The View? What is this creepy, stupid show with some of the most dim-witted human beings on two feet? It really is. Oh, the Yankees on that. They think they're so, so, they're stupid. Sarah Haynes. I don't know who Sarah Haynes is, but she's on The View. Gee, I wonder what she has to say. Cut seven, go. And when that theory came out that it could have come from a lab, it came out under the former administration. And I think the messenger matters. I think during that time when that theory started to be told, it was buried in an administration and a former president who often kind of troped in uh, kind of racist terms. No, he didn't. He didn't trope in racist terms, you idiot. The racist left tropes in racist terms and anti-Semitic terms. He never troped in racist terms. He made more inroads into the black community and into the Hispanic community than Obama ever did. You know, they're protesting Obama's library in that community, particularly the Hispanic community. I'm sure The View will cover that one day. No question. Maybe Maggie Haberman in the New York Times will. I mean, I know it's not the Holocaust, but they might want to check it out, you know. So they have their talking points now. And the reason these independent investigative Corporate media outlets didn't try to find out where this virus came from was because of Trump. What they should have said, you know what? That Trump may know something. He's the president. Maybe he's getting some kind of information that we don't have. Maybe he's on to something. We, we, we ought to check this out. We ought to see if there's any accuracy in this. We ought to see if there's any substance. I mean, he is the president. We ought to check. But because they disrespect him, because they're ideological because they wanted to defeat him. The greatest story, potentially, in modern American history went unreported because of jerks like Maggie and jerks like Sarah. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. We have a great guest right at the top of the hour, Senator Mike Lee of Utah. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you very much, Mark. It's a pleasure. There is a bill that seems to be working its way through uh, Congress, Senator, 
And I want you to help us uh, figure out what's going on here. It's called the Innovation and Competition Act of 2021. Now, that sounds pretty good. So what is this exactly? This is a bill that basically aims to counter China by boosting technology research and development. Those are no doubt important components of a strategy to counter China. But sadly, tragically, it goes about it in the exact wrong way by trying to beat China at China's own game and taking us across a frontier we ought never traverse. And so, look, this is the kind of thing. I'm personally looking forward to reading uh, American Marxism, in part because I I know that American Marxism is going to deal with topics like this, Mm -hmm. where we embrace this stuff. We embrace anything that smacks of communism or of command and control economies. We weaken ourselves. And that's truly tragic. That's why we've got to defeat this bill. Now, so it's not it's not really a capitalist endeavor. It's more a government-centric endeavor with the National Science yeah. Foundation, all these other bureaucracies. Yeah, they're trying to throw $200 billion at government spending projects, a lot of it being routed through the National Science Foundation. You know, the same group of people who study such great things as how long it takes a bear to go to the bathroom. The same <laughs> people who, you know, he can't make this stuff up. Um, <laughs> if, if we're just going to keep printing off this money, trying to out China, China, we're going to lose. Whereas if, if we start doing what we do best, which is innovating, streamlining regulation, getting government out of the way, we'll beat them. We'll beat them soundly because we'll beat them on our terms. Now, you're quite right. I mean, who are all these geniuses in our government that know how to run stuff? And, and how do they get these government positions? It's not like uh, they have to demonstrate they know what the hell they're doing in the private sector. These people who are in the civil service, good enough. These are people, many of them are unionized. That's fine. <clears throat> but they don't bring a particular private sector expertise with them because many of them have been in the government for decades at a time. No, that's exactly right. And it's not, Mark, it's, it's not that we haven't hired the right people. This sort of incompetence inheres in government itself. We have to remember that government is just force, force with taxation backed up by force. That's all it is. And so it inheres in the nature of government itself that it's never going to be efficient. It's never going to allocate resources in the same way that ordinary human beings can and inevitably will when we just allow them to be free. Senator, you, uh, you really undressed this fellow who's been nominated to head the ATF, this guy David Chipman. I mean, Biden has looked around the country and he said, who is the most radical, anti-gun human being I can find for this position? Isn't that what's going on here? This is amazing what you elicited from this man. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. This is one of the most disturbing nominees I've seen in 10 and a half years serving on the Senate Judiciary Committee. This guy comes forward having just in the last year or so dismissed first-time gun buyers as people who he compared to the Tiger King and uh, saying that first-time gun buyers need to just stash their gun on the back of some shelf behind the, uh, the, the beef jerky and the canned tuna and bring it out only when the zombies arrive. Hmm. Uh, This is someone who who denigrates and diminishes 
the Second Amendment and due process. This is somebody who said we ought to find ways to arrest people before they commit crimes rather than waiting until after. As I pointed out to him today, setting aside for the Second Amendment, even if you set aside the Second Amendment, which we can't do and we must never do, before you even get to the Second Amendment, there's a massive, long line of of, uh, civil rights violations and constitutional deviations that you're going to be committing when you start talking about arresting people before they commit a crime. You know, uh, Senator, the level of... uh... The totalitarian mindset in this administration is second to none. I have never seen anything like this. I'll give you another example. The Biden administration is even arguing and has argued to the Supreme Court or other federal court that they should be able to confiscate somebody's weapons without due process. Now, you mentioned about this nominee, but this is the official position of the Biden administration, is it not? It is. It is. And, and Mark, this is what happens, make no mistake, when people start worshiping government, when they start seeing government as having qualities of omniscience, omnipotence, and all-encompassing love that we ordinarily would, would relegate only to deity. Uh, th- this is what happens when the love of government and the almost reverent worship of mm-hmm. government becomes the new American idolatry. This is what happens. Look, the fact is, Mark, government doesn't have eyes to see you. It doesn't have arms to embrace you. It doesn't have a heart with which to love you. Government knows only one tool, which is force. Mm -hmm. And we need that to make sure that we don't hurt each other and take each other's property. But we should never, never, ever attribute to government uh, the, the ability to love or know all or do all when we do things end badly. Tears and blood are lost when we do that. I I want to move to uh, Elizabeth Warren here. She's proposing almost tripling the budget for the IRS, enabling them to hire over 80,000 people, mostly auditors. Her bill, we're talking about civil liberties, would increase the reporting requirements for banks to disclose information on their clients. Uh, It increases tax penalties for underpayment, to those earning over $2 million and adds additional charges for those misstatements on the returns. You know, some people have to hire CPAs to do their returns because the taxes are so complicated and their businesses are so far flung. And so you basically are going to have a strict liability IRS and tax code where people are going to go to prison and they're not 100% exactly what's going on. Here's my problem. Why are we always attacking people who actually pay taxes? What about all the people who don't pay taxes? I'm not trying to be rude about this, but it seems to me the more you're a hardworking American, the more you play by the rules, the more you try and follow the Internal Revenue Code, which is a disaster, and the more you pay in taxes, the more you are susceptible to governmental abuse. It's like upside down. Yeah, I I wish like anything she and others within... The United States Senate would see that. You're exactly right. We ought not be punishing those who are paying their taxes. We ought to be looking for ways to make it easier to comply uh, rather than punishing those who might make a mistake. You know, Mark, it's interesting. Uh, A few years ago, uh, we had a hearing. uh, I think it was on the Joint Economic Committee on which I served. We had a a guy who came in who who has a Ph.D. in the U.S. tax code. Uh, uh, Poor fellow. 
Yeah. Uh, he has a PhD in that. And I asked him, um, sir, do you do your own taxes? And he said, no, absolutely not, never. And I said, why? You, you have a PhD, you have a doctoral degree in the U.S. tax code. Why don't you do your own taxes? And he said, because there's no way I could ever be sure that I got it right. So I have to hire somebody else to make sure. It's really sad. You know, the, the fact that we've got a tax code that together with its implementing regulations takes up tens uh, and, and by some measures hundreds of thousands of pages is deeply distressing. That's where tyranny takes place is in complexity. Complexity is itself a massive subsidy for the wealthy and the well-connected in America. And it's got to stop. And this is just a way to try and catch people, to try and uh, bully people to try and humiliate people, and this kind of power in the hands of the government. We saw what the IRS did to the Tea Party. Uh, we saw how the Democrats defended what the IRS did to the Tea Party. Uh, we see what they're trying to do to President Trump in New York with his tax returns. I mean, the problem with this is the tax code, you're treated like you're guilty, and you have to prove your innocence. And to triple, almost triple the budget and add this number of people to the Internal Revenue Service... I mean, that, that, they're not trying to collect revenue. They're trying to hurt people. And I just wanted to point that out. But this is the mindset of the modern Democrat Party, is it not? Well, I think it is. And, and unfortunately, it's a mindset that doesn't exist only within one political party. Anyone who is excessively comfortable with big government mm-hmm. is unfortunately going to be inclined to accept as a default proposition that everything potentially belongs to the government and and, and is going to try to blur the distinction between that which belongs to the government and that which does not. And uh, I I see very troubling signs that there are too many in Washington who are willing to blur those lines. Fortunately, our Constitution, which is still in effect, much as as it has been disrespected in recent years and in recent decades, It's still in effect. All of our officers in the government, including all 435 congressmen, all 100 senators, have still taken an oath to uphold and protect and defend it. And that recognizes that there is a difference between private property and that which the government is entitled to take. All right, Senator. Now, you're up for re-election in the next cycle. Isn't that correct? I am. Well, not that you need it, but I want to fully support you. Anybody that takes you on is a fool, as far as I'm concerned. But I want to fully support you. And um, does it look like people are trying to uh, challenge you in the Republican Party? It appears that I've got an opponent likely to announce candidacy against me tomorrow. So uh, oh, really? your listeners who are inclined to support me, they can do so at LeeForSenate.com. Well, make sure you text me and let me know if that happens and who it is, okay? Will do. All right. Because, well, we can't afford to lose you, that's for sure. All right, take care of yourself, Senator. Thanks so much, Mark. Really appreciate it. All right, God bless. One of the patriots. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Just an update because people get curious. Over at Amazon, the top ten, number one again, is Oh, the Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. Number two is a fiction book, The Last Thing He Told Me. Number three is American Marxism. So we're currently ahead of Oprah there, and that's thanks to you. Thanks to you. And those of you who don't have your copy of American Marxism but are thinking about getting it or are likely to get it, please, now's the time to pre-order. I told you I'll have a big announcement tomorrow. And uh, let, me, you know, let me give you the big announcement now. We have sold 90,000 hardcover pre-orders, first edition of American Marxism. We're just 10,000 short of where I feel we need to be. If you include ebook and audio, we are well over 100,000. So we're getting to the point where if we get to 100,000, you can feel confident that we are, in fact, building a movement here. I'm convinced of it, just based on how I saw liberty and tyranny and others. I make no predictions about how well it'll do. I'm just saying out of the box. So if you're listening tonight, This is something that you're concerned about. You want to join what's now turning out to be truly an army of patriots. I just want to encourage you to go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Walmart or whatever you're comfortable with and pre-order your copy. It's almost 40% off now here I see at Amazon. And uh, I'd like to encourage you to do that if you're planning on doing it. And also... uh, It's a great Father's Day gift. You won't have the book in hand, but you can be able to say it's been ordered for you, Pops, or your husband, or whomever. Also, if you go to my Parlor site, at Mark Levin Show at Parlor, you can see me there in the bunker. Before I started the show, I took a selfie. You can see that's probably the second or third selfie I've taken in my life, holding up a paperback copy of the book. Now, it's not actually a paperback copy. It is a pre-publication copy. It's the full book. But the hardback actually uh, is not available yet, and there is no actual paperback. There's a hundred of these uh, that are given out, and I have a few of them. So I hold it up, and I take a picture, and I'm not wearing a T-shirt. That's a, well, it's a T-shirt, but not a T-T-shirt, you know, not underwear T-shirt, a T-shirt, the kind of thing I wear around the house and wear outside and so forth. So you can see that on Parlor. Is it over at uh, the Levin TV Facebook, Mr. Producer, do you know? 
All right, so it should be, if not later tonight, tomorrow. But we are up on Parlor. I hope you'll check that out. And those of you who have jumped in, I cannot thank you enough. And your fellow Americans, I think, same thing. And now's the time before college begins again. Kids are graduating. But before college, um, during this period of time, the lead-up to college year, the lead-up to high school year, this is the time to really soak in this and get it to your kids and get it to other people um, so they can understand exactly what goes on. So you are influent in this. So you can spread the word. That's the key. That's really the key. All right, let's take a caller, Mr. Bedusser. I do not have my call screen. To whom shall I speak? Sylvia Albuquerque, New Mexico, XM Satellite. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Um, very well, thank you. Good. Um, I just wanted to say that um, I believe that Fauci knew, of course, he knew, and he was the one who channeled money to the China um, uh, lab to uh, study this, um, what they could do with this virus. Um, I also think that um, he is... Um, I, I can't agree with that because I don't have any evidence to that. But the idea that at this point that he's utterly incurious about what his agency did and how it did it uh, with these cockamamie answers he's giving is absolutely unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. All right, Sylvia, thank you for your call. Let us go to Gino, Richmond, Virginia, XM Satellite. Gino, how are you? Hi, Mr. Levin. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you, sir. Um, so I was just calling because I'm uh, one of your younger audience. How old are you? Younger audience. And uh, I'm 25 now, but uh, I've been listening to you with my father since I've been about 13 years old. Uh, I used to listen to you on the way up to hockey practice. And, and <laughs> That's I play, great. Uh, Minor professional hockey, and uh, I'm 25 now, and listening on my own. And my wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. you played uh, minor league professional. 30. Hold on now, you played minor league professional hockey. Yes, sir. That's pretty cool. You must be a damn good athlete. <laughs> I try to be. I, I try to keep in shape, but you know, I, 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 we just tuned in. I'm actually with my father now. Uh, I, I was hearing you talking about your, your book, and uh, I just finished Men in Black. I've read Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. Um, read my personal favorite, Liberty and Tyranny, uh, Liberty Amendments. And wow. Just call and say we really appreciate what you do, and, uh, you know, we think you're a brilliant man. Well, Gino, thank you, and thank your dad. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. God. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. 
And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Blasting conservative fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Curtis Lewa is a longtime uh, resident of New York City. He is well known not just in New York City, but all over the country as being Mr. Law Enforcement. The other day he was out rallying in support of the state of Israel. Uh, the mob never much liked Curtis. They tried to take him out. Radioland liked Curtis. He's been on radio for many, many years. He has done very, very well, but he's decided to run for mayor. Curtis Slewa, how are you, sir? Well, Mark, the last time we spoke, remember, it was uh, a summer ago when the riots and looters and shooters took over New York City, and I fought them off with the Guardian Angels because uh, de Blasio... The dope from Park Slope told the cops to stand down. And I remember I did the interview with you, and I had a broken jaw at the time. Oh, yeah. And I said, I am not. I am not going to forsake an opportunity to let Mark's audience know the anarchy that is taking place in New York City. And before that, remember, two Hanukkahs uh, ago, when we were out patrolling as guardian angels to protect the Jewish community that was under attack, that's under attack again now, as is the Asian community. And this mayor has got to go to Blasio. That's why I left WABC. I'm running full-time to be the mayor on a law and order platform to restore the billion dollars refunded that was taken from the police budget, hire more cops, and let them go out and take back the streets, the subways, and the parks that are now uh, now are the playgrounds for the criminals. Now, you're, you're running for the Republican nomination, is that correct? Yes, the Republican nomination, uh, and there's a primary on the 22nd, so I certainly need people to assist me. Go to SliwaForMayor.com. You can get all the information, and maybe you can help me, because all these other candidates, all these Democrats who are into defunding the police, uh, taking away qualified immunity, which means cops are more vulnerable than ever. Again, it raised millions and millions of dollars, so I have to catch up. And then, most importantly, I think you're going to like this, Mark. I registered a party in the general election, so I'll be running as a Republican and the first animal welfare party with one platform issue. No-kill shelters. We are never again going to kill dogs and cats in the shelters of New York City when I'm mayor. Other cities have no-kill shelters. Those are our friends. Those are our family members. Mm -hmm. Hey, sometimes, Mark, we prefer to... Talk to our dogs and cats rather than our children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, aunts, uncles, wives, husbands. Uh, I love my dogs. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let me ask you a question. This will be a little sticky here, Curtis. You aren't exactly the biggest fan of Trump, but you kind of came around. Tell me about this. Yeah, no, uh, you know, I've known uh, first citizen Donald Trump and President Donald Trump. Uh, for close to 30 years. And we have a, we had a love-hate relationship all through those years, like a lot of New Yorkers have. 
And during the time that he ran against Hillary, I did not vote for Hillary. I did not vote for Donald Trump. I voted for myself. It was basically like I, I, I just... He couldn't write me in, for God's sakes? Oh, I could have. Uh, I just kidding. Go ahead. Just Rich kidding. Valdez or Rich Jamenta, you know. <laughs> but the point was, uh, I certainly uh, did not harm uh, President Trump from getting elected. And then in the re-election, I didn't vote for Biden. I voted for an independent candidate, Brock Pierce. Uh, and I agreed with the president in, on many issues. His policy against mainland China, the peace he brought to the Middle East, experimentation with drugs. As you know, Mark, I was shot five times with mm-hmm. hollow-point bullets by the Gaudis and Gambinos, and I was able to use experimental drugs. So I, I would not have been able to perform, uh, to function. And then I had stage four prostate cancer and colitis, ileitis, and chronic Crohn's disease. I used experimental drugs. And remember, it was the president in his State of the Union address who said, no longer are we going to prevent these experimental drugs from being used because of all the pain that people have to go through and the death that results. And also the unfair long-term incarceration that many men and women were subjected to. He did that. But at times... Uh, just the tweeting, morning, noon, and night, it, it drove me mashug. I thought there needed to be Chinese finger cuffs on the president. But there were times I agreed with him, times I disagreed with him, but I never once promoted Hillary or Joe Biden at all. All right, let me ask you this. Who, I, I, I'm ignorant about this, but I want to know. Who are the main candidates you're running against so the public knows? There's only one. Now, there are 13 Democratic candidates. and uh, they well, Wait a minute. How does this work? It's the, like the top two or three or something? Uh, they have what they call ranked choice voting. Uh, it's like playing bingo, you know, in a senior citizen uh, center. Hopefully not one that Andrew Cuomo supervises so <laughs> oh, you'll be geez. dead before you finish your bingo game. That's true. But it's like you have choice number five, four, three, two, one, and they get eliminated along the way, and then those votes are partitioned out. So on June 22nd, we'll have a winner in the Republican primary. I'm 40% ahead in the most recent polls against a gentleman known as Fernando Mateo. Uh, We probably won't know who my Democratic opponent is until weeks after June 22nd because of ranked choice voting. But remember, there's eight to one. So there are eight Democrats for every one Republican and already they're dishonoring me because they know, Mark, I'm going to be the winner. So they're calling me a sexist, a misogynist. They're saying I'm a homophobe. And then this one you'll like. They say that I'm a racist, even though, Mark, you've seen yourself. The guardian angels are predominantly black That's and ridiculous. that I lead all over the country. Yeah. And they're already calling me a racist. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to raise money to defend my honor so I can challenge them and save our city. Just go to Curtis. Sliwa for Mayor Dr. Now, wait a minute. Is it Curtis Sliwa or, or is it Curtis Sliwa or Sliwa? Truncated. Sliwa for Mayor.com. Yeah. Makes it a lot easier on people. <laughs> S-L-I-W-A. Sliwa for Mayor.com. Sliwa for Mayor.com. Yes. And you're going to have your work cut out for you, even if you become mayor in this city. You're going to have a, a left-wing, hardcore city council. You're going to have newspapers that are trying to destroy you. You're going to have massive crime like we haven't seen in New York. I don't think ever. So it's quite a job, isn't it? Well, look, uh, I saw Rudy Giuliani, what he did uh, in New York City. I supported him both times, was on the campaign trail with him. When he got elected in 1993, he turned around a city that was Dante's Inferno, Fear City. I'll do the same thing. I learned from the best, Rudy. 
in terms of how you recapture the streets uh, and make it safe in the subways and parks. But most importantly, we're on the verge of bankruptcy. De Blasio is leaving because, you know, at night he smokes the Maui Waui and Hindu Kush. He's in a drug-induced psychosis. Mm. And the biggest problem is AOC, all-out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who leads the Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors, who has said this, Mark, she wants $3 billion taken out of the police budget, and she wants all tenants, commercial or residents, not to pay rent. She wants to force landlords out so that we go back to the way New York City was in the 70s and 80s, burned out, abandoned buildings, gangs on every corner. You know, she wants MS-13 and all the gangs coming across the border from down south to be able to freely operate in the streets of urban America. And, Mark, if I do one thing, it's to stop her, to prevent more people from being indoctrinated into socialism. I believe in capitalism. Capitalism is the story of rags to riches. That's why immigrants come here to this country. And New York City has always been the epicenter of capitalism. And when I am mayor, it is going to remain that way. And I will take on AOC, the Democratic Socialists of America, the Bernie, the Altacaca Sanders, and, and battle for every vote. Because, let's face it, the establishment Democrats, they folded like cheap cameras to them. They're afraid of them. I, I, I really think that you would shake things up. I really do just in the election itself. So you can support Curtis at SliwaForMayor.com, S-L-I-W-A for Mayor.com. And I'm, I'm going to have to have you back, if you don't mind, at some point here. Oh, please. And in our battle against the anti-Semites now that are taking over New York City, uh, we can never forget we must protect the Jewish people who are now under siege, Mark. And you know I've done that with the yes, you have all through the decades. And you're right when you say you have protected minorities of all colors and backgrounds because, unfortunately, that's where a lot of the crime is in these various communities. All right, Curtis, God bless you, my friend. I'm going out there to fight the good fight against the Democrats. i got to save our city, Mark, and with your listeners' help, I'll do it. All right, brother. That's Sliwa from Mayor.com. Take care. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. We're going to spend more time next week on what this corrupt DA and corrupt attorney general in New York are trying to do to uh, President Trump. I think people are ignoring this story. I think it's a huge mistake. 
I think the Democrat Party is conducting itself like the old Soviet Union or Third World, where they go after individuals to try and destroy them uh, so they can never challenge them again. Uh, this, this has to be exposed in a significant way, so we'll do the best we can. We're going to start looking at this again next week uh, when we have a little bit more time to focus in on it. Well, I had a great story here I wanted to get into. There's not enough time. Uh, maybe I'll hit it tomorrow, but I want to get to a few callers here, too. Let's go to Matthew, St. Louis, Missouri, the great K-X-E-N. Matthew, how are you, sir? Just fine, Mr. Levin. Shalom from a Polish emigre. Thank you. And I just want to let you know that I was in 1944 in Warsaw, and I had the distinct honor of watching the ghetto burn. Oh, my God. And we came here. What do you think about the Second Amendment? You defend it, I'm sure. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Well, if if you knew the history, the first thing the Germans did was to look at the registry of the firearms. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. And the radios. Anyway, mm-hmm. I ordered your book, and I'm really looking Thank forward you. to reading it. And, uh, by the way, we uh, emigrated from through Germany, courtesy of Mr. Hitler, brought my father through Buchenwald. And I did through Bergen-Belsen. Oh, my God. Well, you survived. Excuse me? You survived. Quiet. Yeah. Yes, was your, we did. Was your dog barking but, uh, or what? I appreciate No, that, actually, it was my wife. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, good thing. Goodness. <laughs> That's all right. All right. Yeah, I had to get one of, my, one of my rescue cats off my lap here. That's great. Well, listen, I appreciate your call, Matthew, very much. God bless you, my friend. I appreciate it. Chris, Baltimore, Maryland, XM Satellite. Go right ahead, Chris. Yeah, I'm just wondering why uh, Trump needs empirical evidence of it coming from a lab when they have no empirical evidence. You're quite right. You're absolutely right. And, in fact, the more than circumstantial evidence is it came from that lab. When you read the material that's out right now, I mean, for crying out loud, this is what that lab does. This is what the lab does. This is where, where the virus started. So why would you say, oh, it, it must be a bat? Now, they get the viruses from the bats, the coronaviruses from the bats, among other animals, and they bring them into this lab, they collect them, and they make them more lethal. That was a damn lethal virus, wouldn't you say, sir? The idea yeah. that it's skipped from the animal to a human being because of the wet markets and all, this is communist Chinese propaganda, which Maggie Haberman and the others are perfectly happy with. Thank you for your call, Chris. Let's continue. Let's go to Ben, Anchorage, Maryland. Well, Anchorage, Maryland? I never heard of Anchorage, Maryland. Uh, XM Satellite, how are you, Ben? Yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm from Elkridge, but it must have been my fault. But it's I what? I didn't note, hear Mark. you. I didn't hear you. I'm El- sorry. Elkridge. Oh, Elkridge. I know where that is. I'm sorry. Yeah. No problem. Well, first of all, it's an honor to speak to you, Mr. Valdez. But I want a, a personal note first. Thank you, because I, got, I have a two-year-old daughter, and it's become a tradition that when, you, when your show comes on and the national anthem plays, we dance in the kitchen, me and my daughter. Oh. So that's, that's a very precious little memory. But Thank you. The topic I want to discuss with you is um, the left in general. 
they have been so hard pressing to squash certain stories like Hunter Biden's story, mm-hmm. the Wuhan virus coming out of the lab. Um, they're, you know, they're so hard pressed to squash things, and they've been wrong about them. They've been blatant lies. And there are also stories that President Trump has been trying to get out. Like he, he said, well, he, he wasn't really trying to get out the Wuhan virus lab escape. He, he pushed Hunter Biden's story. Um, now, can you imagine? Can you imagine reporters saying, with a straight face, that because Trump politicized this, that uh, he kind of killed the story? I'm like, excuse me. I really. I mean, it's how yeah, stupid it's, is that? Is that is a canned answer, a talking point that they've now come up with? How stupid is this? Yeah. So my question, though, is I'm just curious why conservative media outlets, like. Everybody, including yourself to an extent, why haven't we been pursuing Trump's his, – he's so adamant about the audits in Arizona. He's so adamant about these things. And What do you want me to do? You want me to leave my job and go to Arizona? Oh, uh, no, no, I'm not saying that. I mean, I, I was thinking about going to Pennsylvania if they do, to maybe volunteer. But let me tell you a little bit, Ben. My wife in Pennsylvania dropped everything she did, was doing here, and went to Pennsylvania and organized and helped organize that Pennsylvania litigation. Two major Supreme Court cases. That's what my family did. And these were very important federal challenges, constitutional challenges that three Supreme Court justices wanted to take up. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Please grab your pre-order of first edition of American Marxism. And I'll see you tomorrow. Be well. God bless.